You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey, everybody. Wednesday night, time for American Winer at podcastdetroit.com. How the hell is everybody doing? My name is Alex Bergsly. Welcome. I got a tetanus shot today. My arm is sore. Uh, so that's how I'm doing. Joining us from uh, on uh, on Skype uh, from Windsor is uh, Randy Gray from Ashes of Soma. Randy, how you doing? Hello, good to be here. Good man, thanks for joining us. Been a fan for years and years, so it's it's uh, it's an honor to talk to you. Been uh, looking forward to this yeah, for a no while. Um, I start these interviews off with the exact same question every time, and that question is, where were you born? We're. Uh... I guess uh, myself and all the rest of uh, the band are all from Windsor, Ontario, which is just a, a short uh, hike over from Detroit. So um, we're all Canadian. We're all baby, like, you know, literally we're, we could be neighbors. We're half an hour apart from each other. So Right. The only city that is in Canada that is south of the U.S., I believe, right? Or the largest city south of the U.S., uh, I think, yeah, the, uh, the only city. There's, there's a bunch of towns also, but... Uh, is the only city, I suppose. All right. Well, did you uh, did you grow up in Windsor then? Yeah, um, we grew up uh, in Windsor. I guess like on an outskirts area. I think it was like a suburbs. Most of us grew up in an area called LaSalle, and a few guys grew up in an area called Del River. So, but for the majority, when people ask, you know, say like, "Where are you from, Detroit?" or "Where are you from?" you know, we say Windsor, right? Just a kind of a good, easy way to tell you where you're from. Right. Right. Um, so what was, uh, what was your childhood like, man? Like, what were you into and, uh, and, and what were your interests? Um, I'd say, uh, the, the biggest thing is, I guess if we were talking about, you know, kind of music and how we got that way, like for me, I guess when I was a kid, I always grew up, I wanted to be a, an architect. Um, that was my initial goal. And, um, as I kind of got going through school, I ended up uh, doing a, at the time, you know, like I'm 38 now, back at the in the day, and say, for example, when you were 19 years old or so, here in Windsor, there's a big market for, you know, mold making and machine shop type of things because big auto plants around here, right? There's tons and tons, same as Detroit. So around here, everybody always pushes you, machine shops, machine, you got to, you know, be a, a mold maker, a tool and die, like all these things. And uh, I ended up, you know, wasting two years of college going to that realizing that i hated it only to kind of join back up to do architecture and um you know i ended up going back to architecture and taking that and um, again my initial my goal was to be an architect however you know in my say third year of architecture that's when music you know we started kind of doing pretty well with music and um i graduated you know my three years and um instead of me going to work at say like an architect's office or keep going at that time, we happened to be, you know, touring and touring and playing shows. And I kind of put the architect's dream on hold. So currently I, I build houses, um, in the architecture field, but you know, uh, it's kind of how we grew up, you know, kind of where we're at today. All right. Uh, what, what did your uh, parents do? Parents, you know, again, with the auto industry, my dad worked at uh, Ford's, and my mom, she worked actually at the college. She worked at the, um, she was like a cashier at the, at the college here in Windsor. Okay. And, uh, what kind of a student were you yeah, like in, in grade school? 
I'm not sure how they do it in Canada, but I assume it's similar to the U.S. Sure. Yeah, we. Uh, I was, you know, a good student. It's funny if you look at our my my grades. I kind of had, you know, pretty good grades. You know, A's and B's, I suppose, all the way through grade school. And um, say I got to grade nine, you know, A's, and then when I got to say grade ten, that's when I, funny enough, uh, we kind of joined a, a band and I started getting into music. And uh, eventually what happened was my house ended up being the place where we'd be practicing. So come grade 10, um, we'd come home for lunch to my house and with all musical instruments set up there with all of my friends and bandmates at the time. And then we just start jamming and jamming. And uh, then we'd find excuses not to go back to school. And then, uh, of course, then I didn't do so well after that. But uh, I got by. I mean, I got B's and C's, but there was a couple of classes I didn't do so well. I remember I failed grade 11 math at the time because we were skipping it so much to play music, which, you know, looking back, it didn't matter at all. But, you know, just you find music and you start kind of leaning towards that instead of school so much, you know. Okay. So you were 15 when you actually started playing in a band then. That was uh, that was the, the, the genesis. Yeah. Was, was that, uh, I'm gonna, I might say the name wrong, but it's uh, Nematic. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Nematic was our first. Uh, well, we actually, me and uh, the other guitar player, Mike, we were in a band together at the time uh, when we very first started. Again, when we were probably 15. We were called uh, Day Trip was our first band. Um, and this is like, say, 95 or something like that, 96 maybe. Um, we were really into, you know, Alice in Chains. And, you know, of course, it's like super kind of grunge times. Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and all that and Days of the New and we were really into acoustic stuff so our our stuff that we played was actually very like Days of the New-ish and uh, a lot of like acoustic driven stuff with other you know at the time I played bass and sang so um, you know that was our kind of our first first band experience. Okay um, so let me back up a little bit because when did you like first get into music? That was when you started playing with other people. But had you, uh, uh, when you, um, when 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 was it when you uh, started like sort of developing a musical identity? Would that have been around the time that grunge started coming out? And and do you remember like the first time that you heard a song and thought to yourself like, "Wow, I want to do that." Like that's something that I want to I want to pursue. Right. I think probably more around like grade eight is where uh, I remember my friend's dad had a guitar. And uh, I remember, you know, you go up and you kind of look at it, oh, and you touch it and you're like, whoa, this is uh, pretty cool. And you try to play uh, Iron Man, you know, on it and um, just he's screwing around. And then eventually, I think, again, I think it was in grade eight when I told my parents said, I, I want to get a guitar. I don't remember when it was for Christmas or whatever it was, but. I want to play guitar. So my parents were, you know, supportive. They went and bought me a, you know, $200 guitar and a little PV amp. And I took probably about three lessons and, you know, I, I started to learn how to play guitar. But uh, the funny thing is right about that time is when I met Mike, the guy in my, you know, band still, and um, he was maybe already playing guitar. So the thing is when you kind of meet people who are, who are already good at guitar and better than you. And they're like, Hey, you know, I just learned this, you know, Alison Chain song, check it out. And then, you know, it kind of wows. Like, wow, how do you do that? 
And I kind of like learned off of him essentially of how to play music. So as much as say, for example, I have, you know, a son and a daughter right now and they're seven and four, I would think, you know, I want to get them a guitar and, you know, have them take lessons or me teach them. But the thing is, there's something just in you with music where it's like it just clicks in your brain and said, I want to do that. There's no like forcing it upon people. It's just if you if it's in you, it's in you, you know, and as much people try to force their kids to take music or piano or whatever it is, if it's not in you, it's not in you. And it's, it just never will be. I, I, I probably feel. And um, at that time, something clicked and my just focus went just, you know, hyper focused towards guitar, which I'm sure is if you ask every guy who's in a band they pretty much the exact same story at the age of 13 14 or whatever it is they just go oh something you know i, I gotta do this especially back at that time remember like 95 96 music was huge music was big concerts and cd sales and and all that you know where it was it was enormous and I, I know still today there's still big concerts and all that but i feel that the majority of say younger kids are more into pop music than they are into rock you know so much whereas like back then everybody was into you know rock music and alternative music so it was just everywhere and you wanted to be like those guys and that's what you know drove us to be you know we want to be musicians we want to play shows we want to you know do that look you know look cool you want to be part of it right Mm -hmm. well did you start uh writing your own songs right away then um yeah and that's the other thing too i suppose that is just kind of in you like I know a lot of people that are into like learning songs. I've got one good friend. He's an amazing shredder and great guitar player, great guitar player, but he's never been like a guy to want to write a whole bunch of music. Whereas like me, I never really had, you know, I'd learn some songs because you just, Hey, I learned this song. But for the majority of the time, like I would try to create things. And I suppose, as they say, like the right side or left side kind of brain people, I didn't care about learning things. I just want to like create things. And, uh, of course, most of the things we created at the beginning are just junk, but, you know, over time you get better and start creating, you know, better and better things as the year goes, years go on. Right. Well, so, but you were playing bass, uh, there, you said, um, originally. So, yeah. so you, you guys started, yeah. uh, Nomadic, you're playing bass. So, and you, you just started playing shows and writing songs and, and, and starting and you, uh, did you start to get some some following going there, or, or uh, what exactly happened after you guys jumped out there? Yeah, yeah. Well, back again, say after our band day trip, then we were nomadic and nomadic. We had a different guy. I wasn't the singer anymore. Um, we had this uh, guy named Andrew Scusa, and at that time, you know, it was very big, you know, rap rock type of style, right? Which that's when Rage Against the Machine is super big and um you know even I don't know, lincoln park maybe you know just papa roach that type of sound right and so like we were really kind of into that but we were playing a bit like harder hard rock stuff with him you know very like rap rap oriented type of stuff over top of it we did a bunch of stuff we played a bunch of shows all over but i mean just locally never beyond an hour away just you know shows all over the place but we were having you know two three hundred people showing up to shows which it's hard to, hard to do you know and you know back then you know, mosh pits and everything and people are going crazy at shows but um just a different different style we went our first band is a very acoustic like next band is a super heavy and like rap rocky 
And then after that, we kind of ended up breaking up and then we kind of had a bit of a hiatus for, you know, two or three years. And then again, basically after that, that's when I want to start writing songs myself again, like back to me playing guitar. And I reconnected with Mike again from that same band. And then we kind of started Ashes of the Soma. So that would have been like what, early 2000s then, like 2002, somewhere in there is when Ashes of Soma was born. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, it was like 2002. Or I think our first show was maybe 2003. Um, probably, I would say our first show, yes, yeah, 2003, as far as I can remember, maybe 2002, somewhere around there. So we're still, uh, you know, obviously we're still a band. We're still writing music. And, it, you know, you think about it, how long ago really that is. It's quite a bit of time to still be you know, we're, we're not out touring, you know, really so much anymore, but you know, we said, you know, we can make music, we can put it out on Spotify, you know, and people like it. We'll keep putting music out. Cool. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you guys are still around. I mean, that's going on 20 years now. So that's, that's a, that's quite the accomplishment. That is hard to do to, to keep it going that long. Um, so yeah. I, I got to ask, where did the name come from? Ashes of Summer. Um, we actually, we started out the band, we were, I think we played probably five or six shows called, we were called Staring at the Sun was our first name. And, um, there's a song by U2 called Staring at the Sun. So people would be saying, oh, you're like a U2, uh, band or a cover band or something. And we'd say, no, we're not, you know, we didn't, I guess we didn't really know it at the time. So we, said, we have to change our name because we don't want to be referred to as that. And, uh, so we were looking one day and, uh, we were looking, I guess I had different meanings. I can't remember. We were looking through maybe a dictionary or a thesaurus or something. And the word Soma came up and it meant, uh, like basically your, your, your spirit, you know, and like your soul kind of like, uh, so we said, well, how could that, you know, it's a cool word. How do we incorporate that? So we were thinking of all different things. So somehow, I don't remember how, but we came up to say ashes of Soma, meaning like, you know, basically what, you know, essentially like what is left behind the ashes of your, your spirit type of thing. So what's left behind, meaning, you know, I mean, we play music, regardless if we're a band 50 years from now, our music will always be here. It'll never leave. It's always going to be here. So that's the ashes of Soma. Uh, um, tell me about your guys' writing process. What What's that? This is deep. <laughs> yeah, it is, man. That's actually really cool because you know the uh, you're right. Once you, especially now with the internet, like your stuff is going to be out there right. as long as there's an internet. So that that really is a potentially right. eternal thing, you know. Um, right. At, at least as long the as there's people around to hear it, live on forever, right? So. Yeah. Um, but the, so tell me about your guys's writing process when you guys uh, first started writing what would become your uh, your first album, uh, Exit Six Seven Four. Um, well, um, again, like I was saying, we, uh, I think I started writing some songs by myself and, um, I ended up talking to, to Mike there and I said, Hey, uh, we, we should get together. I've, I've been writing some songs and, uh, he said, okay, like, you know, maybe we'll get together. So we, me and him kind of, were just meeting up, uh, his basement, just kind of screwing around. We wrote a song and we wrote maybe like another song and then I think we wrote maybe another song or two. And one of the songs was called uh, You Make Me, which is, I believe, one of the songs on that album. And um, 
So we said, okay, great. We're, you know, we're having fun. Well, for some reason, I, I remember our very first show ever at Dash's Soma. Somebody uh, was playing a show and they said, you know, we've got a show playing. Why don't you guys play with us? And we said, well, we have about four or five songs. So me and Mike, we went and we played this show acoustically, just me and him. And um, we played our four or five songs. And Joel, the bass player, he happened to be there. Joel actually played in a band with Mike just before Ashisoma called Under the Lambskin was that band's name. Um, and he came and watched and he said, oh, wow. He said, this is great. I want to be, you know, part of that. And we said, well, we need a bass player because we, you know, it's just us two playing. And um, so he came and he was there at the show. And uh, I think right after that, we said, well, we need a drummer. And um, our drummer from Nomadic, his name was Paul. We said, Hey, now we, we need you to come back again and we need to, you know, have a drummer. So basically then it was the four of us kind of back together again, all, you know, affiliated with bands over the past, you know, five or six years. And we all got back together again and started as Ashes of Soma. Um, so if you're, you're asking again, like how our writing goes, um, once in a while, again, I, you know, I'll write a song by myself. I'll bring it to Mike. Mike will like reinvent it. He'll add to it. He'll change. Mike will write a song. He'll again, same thing, bring it to me. I'll change it. Um, all the while we'll kind of, it's, it's basically like me who'd be writing like the lyrics or the melodies. And then at the same time, some of the other guys will jump in and say, Hey, you know what? Say this, this, this. To be honest with you, I'm a terrible writer. I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a good melody maker. But as for like a lyricist, I'm definitely not. So I always feel I want help because I'll come up with a, I'm, I'm writing a bunch of songs right now. And, you know, like my melodies, I'm, I kind of just basically just give some gibberish to give the ideas. And then we just try to plug in words based on, you know, like the patterns of what I'm saying. That's always how we've done it. Never before have we, you know, just me started coming out of the gate. I'm going to the, you know, you never start off with just words right out of the gate unless, you know, someone is a true lyricist and they're singing melodies to their words. Whereas we go, you know, melodies first, words later. Well, I actually want to ask you about that because uh, especially your singles, they have like the first, I, re- I was telling you before we uh, were on the air, I remember where I was when I first heard somebody else on the, on 89 X and it was because of that melody. And, um, you guys are are really good at at coming up with hooks that stick in 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 the listener's brain. Like even after only one listen, they can hum it back to you. So I wanted to ask you, like, yeah. how, what is a hook to you, and how do you know when you've written a good one? Yeah, um, I, I guess, uh, <laughs> like I said, if if I've got a, like maybe a good knack, it'd be writing hooks or melodies, and. Um, and then plugging in the words afterwards, you know, to what it, to what we want to write about. Um, I don't know what, you know, again, it's just something, maybe it's in me and I wouldn't say I'm a prophetic uh, writer or something. I just, I've got maybe a good, a good way of writing melodies and a lot of people like it. So I'd say, Hey, I'm a good melody writer. I wouldn't say I'm a good lyricist at all. I'm just, uh, I can maybe come up with some good melodies, you know, and then it works from there. So, um, how do we come about it? I don't know. To be honest, it just literally just falls out of my head and I put it on paper. So, 
right. Well, uh, so you guys are you got together. It was kind of this this uh, everything sort of worked worked out right. You know, you'd all been you'd all known each other for a while, and everything kind of clicked. Started writing, playing shows. Yeah. Um, so when how did you start recording Exit uh, Six Seven Four? Then how did that come about? We uh, we were at the time. The reason why I like say our album is called Exit Six Seven Four is um, um, my guitar player Mike. He lived in a house, and his his address was six seven four, and um, so that's where at the time we were practicing. So we'd practice in his living room. You know, he's a single guy. Just you know, literally like our equipment were in the living room, and there's you know we just took over the entire house basically. And so we played you know there and practiced for whatever it was a year or so before we made that album. And um, that album basically was written in that entire place. And we said at the time, we said, well, you know, what are we going to name the album? We said, well, this at the time he was leaving, we said we wrote every single thing in this house. And so we can kind of name this album Exit 674 because, you know, we wrote all the songs in one place, just like, say, Abbey Road. Right. I mean, they wherever people write songs, they tend to name things after the place they you know, maybe ask where they uh, record. So that's, that's exactly what we did. Yeah. That's, that's where it was born. So, um, yeah. so did you, and then you guys were off, right? Cause you started touring and, and I mean, that was when you started to get an airplay and I mean, was there immediate interest or did you, or did you guys kind of have to push a little bit to, to get people to notice you? Well, say for example, in, in Windsor, you know what I mean? I know we played Detroit hundreds of times as well in, Say like say Windsor, it's hard to get you know hundred people out to a show or two hundred or three hundred or four hundred, and we started just say for example you play shows of course in your hometown you start and uh, then we played a show and there's you know fifty people and there's the, the venue is slammed at fifty people then we played a bigger one and there's a hundred then there's two hundred and three hundred and four hundred and then you know we're playing venues where it's just wall to wall and then shows are sold out you know, two shows in a night. And, um, you know, as the people kind of come, then so does interest from other people. At that time, right when we put that record out, um, it was Fat Matt from uh, A9X or, you know, 93.9, where they're at now, where he was the first one to put uh, something on, on the radio. He put on, um, I believe, our song Straight Jacket on a People's Choice. And I think we won maybe, you know, nine nights in a row or something like that. So we were just, you know, static. We were thinking, wow, this is, can't believe he put it on. This is great. And um, I believe it was, um, I remember who it was, who, who say beat us. But maybe the next week or so, he just added uh, Emancipate to rotation. So we were like, wow, you know, Straight Jacket did great. And then they added Emancipate. And then so from there, you know, we we were doing well on the radio here. And then we, at the time we had particular managers, we ended up switching and getting different managers from, uh, from Detroit. And I remember they, they manage a uh, saving able and uh, a couple other bands. I think they're managing days. They knew at the time, which was ironic. And, um, we ended up kind of going on showcases for them and, you know, go to New York and do showcase in front of all kinds of people. And, People were coming to Detroit to see us, like, you know, see labels and things like that. And um, so we ended up started playing on shows and then getting on tours with 
with bands and we did, you know, a lot of shows with say theory of a dead man and default and, um, you know, like really kind of like you name it, we, we played with and played shows everywhere and toured all over the place really. Um, and then after that, we, we still never got a record deal, right? We were, which looking back now, I can see, you know, how we didn't get one because in your in your own mind you think we're great we're wonderful and people like it but what is it was it really you know groundbreaking and like is this worthy of millions of dollars of some company to invest in probably not you know it's definitely it's good and it's good quality but is it you know can it make somebody millions of dollars you know who knows you know who knows to say um so anyways we played a bunch of shows and then we ended up putting out we had another album which is a like a white album we put out um a bunch of other songs again more shows all over and playing everywhere and then again more kind of interest in different labels and all this and then really what happened was finally after such a while um the another label came said okay we're going to get our first record deal so what people don't understand too is with the music industry is i'm th- you know people have an idea but you know you don't make money in music anymore it's very difficult you're either at the top or you're not and that's pretty much it and bands that you may think who are wow these guys are millionaires and they're going all over the place and they're you know at the end of the day they make 50 bucks a week you know which is not great so after our white album we got offered a record deal which was essentially what's called like a 50 50 deal um which means that everything that you do you know your your label takes 50% 50% of and they own all your music and they take 50% of everything so just as an example we get put on say a, sh- a show or a tour with um, you know Fear of a Dead Man for example say we make a thousand dollars a night in support right just just for our show money so right away 500 bucks goes to the label we had you know management and an agent as well and you know two techs with us on the road as well so our management takes 15% our um, you know, agent takes 15%, our label takes 50%, which leaves like the five of us, um, you know, I don't know how much, 150 bucks a show. Um, then we have two techs that we had to pay for, you know, which were paying 75 bucks a night. So literally we would go on tour with somebody and we'd come away making zero. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. <clears throat> you have to like look at you know, look at it. And we said, this is not, it doesn't make any sense. You know, we signed this deal and we know other bands who were friends of ours who signed a similar deal to the same company, you know, and, um, you know, they just, just nothing happened. You know what I mean? Like you, they're going to put your songs to radio and hope everybody likes it. But if not, again, you go on tours and you'll come away with, go away for two months and come away with, you know, a hundred bucks in your pocket, which is, you know, music is not all about money, but it's not about just having fun and, you know, working for nothing. So, you know, that after that, we, we didn't get our record deal. And the funny thing, the way is the world works now is you don't need a record deal whatsoever because now literally like our new record we're putting out, you know, very soon we'll put out, we have a, a distributor online. We'll put it out onto Spotify and iTunes and YouTube and you name it. And we have nobody who like dips their hand in our pocket whatsoever. So that's uh, kind of like the way I guess there's music music less music in industry lesson i suppose so yeah well that's that that's really interesting and that that is like the most you have the most healthy mindset of anybody that i think that i've talked to in terms of like how level-headed you are 
you know, about, about in your approach to that, you know, you can, you admit, you're like, I don't really think I'm that great of a lyricist, you know, and, and here's, here's, here's why the, uh, here's why the record deals didn't work out, but it still is better this way because now there's no middleman and we can just put the stuff out. And, you know, you guys had already kind of built the following in the mid two thousands when you first came out through the airplay and everything. And that's really cool though, that you, you, you essentially, when you start a band, you know, you start writing music and then you, you put it out there in whatever way you can, you know, whether you're just playing shows or whether you try to get it on the radio or whatever. And people responded, right. you know, people responded to you guys right away. So that's, that's great that it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah. but, so you said, uh, you mentioned, uh, your white album. Are you talking about the self-titled 2010 album that you guys put out with the Phoenix on the cover? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You got it. And the other thing too is what's funny again about music is some guys, they you know come out of the gate you know flying and you know maybe they're amazing by 20 years old you know and um which is which is good but some bands you know what i mean like they don't get better until they're 30 or 35 and then then you know then they hit their peak stride like um meeting even like for example like um my voice i listen back to say like exit 674 and i'm just listen to them like oh my god it's terrible and we have demos even before that that uh we recorded even like you know again the earlier and listen to my voice and i'm just you know i hope nobody ever hears it <laughs> my you know again like you're you're young and you you suck to be honest with you and like for example our white album got even you know better and i feel like hey now we're writing even better music the thing is we did, we wrote better music, but the time was bad. Had we wrote that album 10 years ago, we would have crushed it and had all kinds of success. And, um, when the music industry was hot and everything, but like we put the album out when everything was just literally everybody's dying and there's nothing happening. Right. Um, so it's just a matter of timing. And the other thing with that too, is something else that we feel is like, then we wrote like, say for example, our next one, which is our kind of like our blue EP, which is like the singularity. Then on that, you know, again, we, we got even better as musicians. I feel anyways, I got better as a singer, you know, even better with lyrics, because then I had also help from our newest guy who's kind of with us. His name is Dave Creed. And he started helping with writing lyrics. Who's actually, he's like a true artist and he's a, he, you know, he does, he does computer graphics and he's like a literally a graffiti artist and he's, he's like a true artist in, you know, every sense of it. Whereas he, I feel, is not the best with necessarily melodies, but he's amazing with lyrics. So he would say, listen, do this, do this. And if you listen on the album, he's on a bunch of those songs. And then eventually now he became like part of you know, the band. Uh, like even like our song, The Leash, that's, he's on, he's you know, fully in that one. And um, now like, I'm so excited to release the stuff that we have now. We literally have, I don't know, 15 songs that are like going to be coming out. We have six of them that are completely done, lyrics recorded, like done. And um, I'm, you know, I'm so excited to like hear, you know, everybody now check these out. Now we can say like, now listen to this because it's even better than the other stuff that we had. Because again, we got better at everything and better at writing. And um, we, we, we have no problem with being humble. Like, listen, this guy's a better guitar player. We're going to bring him in and he's going to play on it on our singularity album. We brought in like six other people to play parts. You know, we brought in two different girls to sing. We brought in um, a girl to play piano. 
Um, we brought in literally like three or four other guys playing guitar. Like, you know, we'd play, of course, the main licks, but like they'd play different parts and different solos. And like, just because everybody's better, it's not about like, we're the best. And we, you know, we, we know best, like, Hey, whoever's great, let's bring them in to try to make us better. You know what I mean? We're not, you know, an ego band where we're, we're great. And you know, we don't need help from anybody. You know, I've got no problem, you know, saying like, Hey, I'd love someone to say, listen, I got a cool idea. Let's do this. You know, I have good things I can, you know, give to a project. Somebody else has good things they can give. Combine as many great minds as you can and give the best product you possibly can. So when you put the product out, you know, everybody can be happy and say like, wow, look at this great product we put out. Yeah, that's great. Well, you said 15 songs you guys have. Are you going to release all 15 of them uh, on one album? No, we're going to probably put out like an EP. Um, the thing is, you know, again, these days, it's, you don't have to put out full albums. Um, you can, we can put out five songs and then another five and six or, or whatever. I mean, you just put it on Spotify. People find you like we get, um, our song meteor, I think has like one point, maybe 3 million streams, you know, that's a lot of streams for a band. Again, we don't have the record label or anything. So a lot of people like it, you know, and then once we, you know, put out, uh, this next stuff, we were talking about, um, you know, getting a radio publicist and maybe we'll pay them and kind of put it, you know, put it out. I'm sure if we give it to Adrian X, you know what I mean? They'll be, they've always been super supportive of us. And even, you know, the riff in Detroit was super supportive of us. We played multiple shows from both stations. You know, we played riffs Harley Fest and we played, you know, Adrian X's birthday bash and, you know, so they've always been super supportive. And again, then you go up to like Flint, you know, we played stuff, uh, you know, of course, in the machine shop. We played there, I think, like 25 times last time I counted. You know, like all the radio stations near us specifically, super supportive, you know. Cool, man. Well, I, I can't wait to hear the next evolution. I, I was going to say, like, there was a definite, uh, like, a market, uh, I don't want to say improvement because I never thought you sucked for the record, man. Like that, I mean, when I first heard the exit <laughs> six, seven, four, uh, version of somebody else, I was like, dude, this guy's got the smoothest voice. But then I have to say when I heard the 2010 version of it on the, on, uh, the ashes of Soma self-titled album, I was like, wow, this is fucking beautiful. This is, this is such a smooth interpretation. Like those high notes that you're hitting are just super powerful. Um, it's, uh, it was, it was, so there's a definite, uh, difference there and then same thing with the singularity too like like the i think in meteor that's the first time on the chorus of that i've heard you use your falsetto on that way you know so you're 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 definitely right. i do hear the development so uh i'll definitely you said like what are you right. thinking like the next like uh couple months or like when are you guys looking to to put this stuff out well you know the funny thing is like it's done um i'm just we've been i know um and actually, like you say, we record all of our, our stuff right now at uh, Mike's house. He's got a studio in his basement. You know, the quality you can get, you know, back in you know the day, you'd have to go to spend 400 grand on a record. Nowadays, you do it yourself. It sounds exactly the same. You know, I mean, you don't need to, with technology, you don't need to spend all kinds of millions of dollars to make a record. Right. So quality is awesome. Um, and it, it's all done. It's just a matter of we have a couple tweaks. Adding some again, we were one add a little bit of piano, add a little bit of uh, girls' voices to different places, and 
put it out. So, I mean, I'm ready to put it out tomorrow. Uh, it's a matter of, uh, I have to push um, Mike there to say, like, hey, let's just get it done, put it out. He feels he wants to add another song or two. I think we had maybe five right now that is, like, on this EP. He wanted to add another. I said, let's just put out the five. And the key is, you know, to be, you know, relevant and say, hey, you know, here's our here's five other songs. In six months, we can put another five, you know, and then right. a year we put another six. And, like, honestly, we just wrote um, a song this weekend, and it's, like, just awesome. Um, I, I listened to it, like, on my iPhone. We, uh, we recorded it at his studio, and then he recorded it back on the, you know, on the phone so I could, like, kind of listen to it and create melodies. I listened to it, honestly, like, 50 times. And, again, I'll, I'll admit when I suck, and, like, this is one of those songs I'm like, whoa, this has got a, an enormous hook and an enormous you know like the structure the music is like everything on it is just you know there's just something right you might say well what is it in my mind anyways there's just something that hits you that wow this is special and um in for me anyways it's not every song i write i'm like you know this is amazing even meteor I, i never thought it would be a single whatsoever i didn't even like this song to be honest with you but uh, everybody's like, that's a great song, you know? So I'm like, all right, whatever, it's a great song. It starts off on a real dirty chord, you know what I mean? It's, it's not, uh, it, it didn't strike me as great, but, uh, you know, people liked it. But I think our new stuff, you know, when you hear it, it's just, some songs are just, anyway, you know, gives me chills and it's my song. I'm like, wow, it's a great song, you know? Yeah, that's how you can tell. Like, I, like I'm an amateur musician myself, and I I have the same thing where I'm like, you know, it's it's. Right. I, I know when my stuff is is weak and uh, when it needs to be worked on more. Yeah. But then every now and then you write something, and you're like, I'm listening to this a lot because I want to, and it, not because you know it's I'm trying to improve it. It's just I enjoy listening to it. That's always a good sign. Right. I mean, we've written you know say twenty songs in the past, whatever amount of time you know year two three years or whatever or more. And, um, the latest one we did, just something about it, like literally just, you know, it gives me like a buzz inside. I'm like, Whoa, I almost, I can't wait to, you know, put my finished lyrics on it. Cause right now, again, we start off with gibberish and I'm kind of, I'm saying words, but I'm not making any sense. You know, I'm just blah, about it. You yeah. Know? You Michael Stipe it. That's how Michael Stipe would do That's it. That's right. So. You got it. And then I just kind of get, get it to where it's, it sounds nice. And then I think of like, okay, who's the song going to be about, you know, what are we writing, writing about? Um, I think maybe one of your questions you, you were going to ask as well, again, would be, you know, um, what are you writing songs about? Um, like typically, and it's something that people ask quite often, say, who, what is this song about? And who's this about? And what's this song about? Um, again, I, I never found that, I had like, you know, a good upbringing. My parents, we weren't rich whatsoever. My, again, my dad worked at the auto plant and my mom was a cashier. So, you know, I suppose all of us are same, you know, middle-class kids. I never had, you know, these crazy stories to write about. And in general, when you think about music, like it's for it to be interesting, it's got to be something that story that you want to hear and something that moves you. So almost, you know, I guess I'd say like 70% of our songs are written. Like we kind of write them thinking that, you know, it'd be through somebody else's eyes. So when you say, you know, when I'm saying, for example, I did this and I did that, 
we kind of picked, you know, somebody in our lives who are like, you know what, like, what if he was writing that song? And then the song is, you know, theirs, like literally like as if they're, they were writing it. Um, not every single song is like that, but like I said, probably 70% of them are literally written as if the other person was writing it. You know, mm-hmm. we had one song called caught in a web. There was a guy who was a, our webmaster at the time. I hope he didn't listen to this uh, broadcast, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> He, he, uh, at the time he was like, you know, did our website, which was, you know, relevant at the time. And then he, you know, just was at every show and crazy and all this. So we wrote the song called caught in the web. And as if he was writing it, you know, I think it was like, I've been all alone. I've been looking down on things, looking from the other side. I've been, I can't remember all the lyrics, but you know, basically like he, like he wrote the song, you know, because mm-hmm. Again, just to be honest, I don't think I've got all that profound of things to talk about. So you have to look for things. You can't say, well, my life is in terrible distress where I've got to talk about these terrible times I have. And, you know, my mom left me in a drunken haze and all that. Or, you know, it, it, it didn't happen. So we look for good stories to write. And that's, you know, what we give to people, you know, just. Really good, good stories, right? Well, I gotta. I, you're right. I did want to ask you about some specific songs, and if you, if you wouldn't mind, I mean, yeah. would you mind like telling me the story of like you know what what's the story behind Emancipate? Like what what is whose perspective is that from? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even remember. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, that was a while ago, wasn't it? That was so. Um, you know, I I. That was literally one of our first songs that we wrote. And, you know, again, it's one of those songs, to be honest with you, that I, I never liked either. And um, that's why we changed the lyrics. Um, because, right. you know, we've always said, like, man, we hate that song. But, again, everybody loved it. And uh, we were like, oh, we don't. You know, we hate that song. <laughs> um, so we said, you know what? Like, what if we do, like, a version two of it? Because, you know, the thing is, like, people in Detroit heard it, but maybe people outside, you know, somewhere else never heard anything. So they heard like an alternate version of it and there's nothing wrong. And it's our song. So we could do whatever we want. So, um, I don't even remember the lyrics at the moment, but, uh, well, I like don't think co- it was about anything in specific, but well, yeah. Cause I, I remember the, and to be perfectly honest with you, I do like the second version a lot better. It just seemed more coherent. It was catchier. Um, again, your singing yeah. was, was more polished on it. Uh, but right. uh, I right. really liked the hook, like you hold the I'll tear this all, uh, you hold that all, and then underneath it, I don't know if it's if it's the new guy Dave who is singing underneath it, or if it's you, but uh, or maybe Mike, but uh, and then there were lyrics underneath that, like that was a great touch to it. Um, but uh, I, I I did want to ask you, uh, I won't I won't I won't ask you about all of them because because uh, I. I know that uh, it's it's can be difficult to remember this kind of stuff, but I, I have to ask. My two favorite songs from you guys are "Somebody Else" and uh, "Lost" off of the Singularity. So, would you mind would you mind just uh, telling us about somebody somebody else and how that came about? The, what's the story behind that song? Uh, I do remember that song, and um, so at the time. Um, I was, I think, or it was before that, uh, like just before that time I was dating, um, a girl and we were dating for like three or four years. And then I ended up, you know, leaving her for my now wife 
And I know I was, I literally wrote that song. And, and as I say, like good songs are written pretty quick. I, I wrote the entire thing and the lyrics in maybe, you know, like half an hour. And it, for some reason, I don't know why, again, you know, music just falls out of your head. There's no rhyme or reason. You know, people say, well, how did you get that inspiration? Like there is no reason. It just, it, it wanted know, to exist. Sort of, uh, it sounds like, you, just, you know, it just drops into your head for nothing, you know? And then I started thinking about, you know, me leaving that, uh, um, you know, my girlfriend at the time. It was kind of a tough decision because I'd been dating her for, I think, um, I thought almost four years, maybe. But she had moved away to Toronto and uh, we, you know, she wasn't planning on moving back. She was going to school for the next three years. And so I was commuting there and see her and come back. And then I thought, you know, like, I don't know if this is ever going to turn into anything. And, um, so we did that for six, eight months. And at the same time at a, a show here, I was playing acoustic in a bar by myself because I was doing that for, uh, quite a bit, just playing covers. You know, my wife was there and we ended up talking at the bar and then I, you know, kind of met her and realized I'm like, huh, you know, I kind of met somebody else, you know, and that's, there's the there word it is right, right there. there. Yeah. <laughs> so that song is from her perspective. Then, because you said you you like to write from other people's as if somebody else is writing the song. Yeah, like I with that particular one, I don't think it was writing from her perspective. <clears throat> um, but I know the song for for sure was about you know her and Lee, I, I left her for my my now wife. So uh, well, the the, the <laughs> chorus the chorus lyrics on that the I'm on the train that's passing you by, see so you running away with your hand in my. I love that line. That is such a perfectly <laughs> written line. Um, it's you know the syllables fit perfectly and not, nothing's forced or anything. It flows with the melody perfectly. Mm-hmm. Just a really really uh, beautiful composition. Um, thank you, thank you. And uh, uh, law. Um, I guess uh, been vilified. I gotta remember what the lyrics are again for it. I could tell you what it's about if I knew what it was. Been vilified. Damn, I don't remember why. I can't remember who what that was about. Real quick. Well, I gotta say because the chorus was another really like soaring chorus, and I think you're. I, I don't. I can't find the lyrics anywhere online. Um, but uh, yeah. I uh, I know it's. It goes like the days you feel. Uh, ever con- it sounds like you're saying ever concerned with the light that you can see or something like that. Um, and then you fall from the sky, lost in your eyes, I'll be alive. Okay. Um, so that's the chorus. Right. I know it was about somebody, but I can't remember who it was at the moment, to be honest with you. Uh, well, um, who was it about? Damn it. Um, if I had the lyric sheet in front of me, I could you know, pinpoint it. Um, I think... I don't believe was that specifically about somebody at the time. Some songs I can like definitely say, you know, this was about this person from this who wrote it. And um, there's a few songs that I know, like if it's not specific, you know, we might've wrote it from the view of whatever person. It was. Um, oh, actually I know what it was. My sister um, ended up leaving her basically like, you know, common law husband, of like 18 years. That's what it was. And, um, so I wrote it from her perspective as, as I've never told her about it actually. So, um, cause I didn't want, you know, her to, at the time I didn't want her to kind of like know about it, but I wrote it as if she was writing that song. That's what it was. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's so now interesting. Now you bring it back. I could, it was a while. We wrote that song, you know, like 
six years ago or something or longer because we didn't even record it till like a year or so later. Right, right. And I mean, the EP came out in 2013, which is already five years ago. So, so there you go. That's right. Yeah. I mean, but in two years before that, when I actually wrote it. Um, well, that's so interesting, man, because like, you know, I never would have guessed that, obviously. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. there's, but everybody has their own interpretation of it or whatever. And, and, uh, and I, I told you yeah. the story about how, when I first heard that song, I was driving on a bus through uh, Colorado and it was pitch dark and I'd never seen the Rocky Mountains before. And I was looking for yeah. mu- music to listen to and I hadn't heard from you guys in a while. So I looked you up on iTunes and, oh, there's this new EP out mm-hmm. that I hadn't heard. And, and I, um, and so I, I ended up really attaching myself to that song. I remember the sun coming up over the Rockies and seeing the, the Rocky Mountains as that. And to me, it had more of like a liberating, you know, just sort of like this, you know, your life is sort of starting over kind of, uh, which I guess kind of fits with what you were, you were talking about there. Um, but th- that's just, yeah. that's just really interesting yeah. to me. So, uh, so thanks for, 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 uh, uh, di- you know, sort of delving back in your memory there and, uh, and, and sharing that with us. Yeah. I, I knew it was about something, but I couldn't remember what it was, but I know for sure it was. And, uh, cause again, we're, we're always looking for sometimes to be honest, we run out of, you know, things to write about. And, um, things have to happen for you to want to write about it. You know, I'm not just like, I'm sitting at home and watching TV, you know, like there's got to be something of interest. Otherwise just writing gibberish, you know, and just like, ah, there we go. Who cares? Ah, there's something. So we always try if we can, you know, to write specifically about something, you know, and not just, you know, like, you know, Bush, you know, the, just kind of writes every, every sentence, just uh, a sentence of nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's fine. And like, you know, yellow lead better type of thing. Right. And it's just a bunch of j- gibberish and it's still great, but you, you try to make something where people can say like, that touches me because this, that event you're singing about is something like what I'm thinking or what it had to, you know, had happened to me. That's why like a lot of people, I've had many, many people say to me, you know, somebody else was this song on, um, I was thinking about this other person, you know, and like, that's what it meant to them, you know? So it, it, it had a specific thing to me and it has specific things to you. Like, you know, you remember I was on the bus and we were going over the hill and there's the mountains and like, it'll always mean that to you. Right. So I always like also two people that kind of like think about it in their own you know, how, what do you think it's about? You know, mm-hmm. um, I know songs like Meteor, like in the whole thing, like the singularity, like Meteor, we wrote about. I'm not sure if you've seen what, like, say, the singularity is, you know, meaning like robots kind of taking over and then eventually like running the earth. For some reason, we were like talking, um, we were like almost writing like a concept thing about that. We had two or three of the songs that didn't make it onto that EP that we're still going to put out. It's just, we couldn't finish them in time. And a lot of those songs were like about that. Um, like lifeboat, you know, which is another song we did there, which again, I like that whole blue album. I think it's all great. That song we did about again, lifeboat about, um, there's like, if you know, the tragically hip, they had a song called nautical disaster, just about, you know, being at sea. And that's what it is like a nautical disaster. Um, the ocean's alive, you know, the seas crash and rage, you know, you can picture yourself in this, like a storm and there's, you know, it's raining and there's big waves around, you know, like you try to kind of paint a picture that people can put themselves in when they listen to the song. 
Right. Well, th- yeah, man, and that's so funny. You mentioned the tragically hip because there's a there's the seminal Canadian rock band there. Um, and actually, yep. one question I I didn't get to ask it from er- I was meant to ask it earlier, but do you have any influences that people might be surprised? Like Allison Chains and Tool and Finger Eleven. We, I mean, we could hear those guys in in Ashes of Soma. Yeah. Um, do you have any that um, have- people might be surprised to hear? Um, recently, I guess, yeah, like that's, you know, obviously you can look at like the bass influence because that's what we grew up, you know, loving and that's our, you know, genre type of thing. And of course you hear those songs, you want to sound kind of like it, I suppose. Um, there's a band that, you know, we've been listening to a lot. They're called Carnival. Oh, hell yeah, man. Yeah. Goliath. Beautiful stuff. Love them. Yeah. Wow. Is it good stuff? So anyways, a lot of our stuff that we have, the Goliath specifically, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, there's uh, one song that we have, you know, it's cruising along and then just changes key like right out of nowhere and then like changes back and then changes the next one. So the the thing is with us is people are like, well, you guys, you know, what's your style? Well, we, we never want to be like pinned in like you guys are like that you know, where it's like where you have like one genre or one style. We've got, you know, some songs like somebody else, like a nice acoustic thing. We got other songs that are like totally acoustic, like um, Lost. And there's other songs on Exit 674. And there's other songs that you'll hear that are coming up that are, or even like on the singularity that are seven minutes long that are, you know, again, like Carnival. It's funny how, you know, bands come along and like, wow, that's great. You know, and then it, sparks in your mind ideas you know mm-hmm. um bands like uh, there's a band from windsor actually called the tea party and um they're very you know big in canada and they're big in europe and australia and all that i guess not so much in in the states but i mean they're very experimental with like their tunings and the acoustic stuff and so like that's stuff that we like to also screw around with the days days the new right similar stuff a lot of like different tunings and acoustic um things as for other influences, I mean, Tragedy Hip, you know, we love Tragedy Hip because they're like a Canadian kind of cornerstone, you know, um, but they're not so much like an influence, I guess, so much because it's a little bit, a little bit away from us for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we like all kinds of stuff. I mean, they like Pantera or, you know, uh, um, I, I can't think of who else, I suppose, like. Well, that's a good mix right there, it, man. I mean, like, you know, you, you know, that's a that's a good, pretty eclectic rock influence mix of influences right there. And I mean, I can hear all of them. Like, I hear right. I hear Allison Chains in your in your guitar sound and your kind of wall sound. I can hear the Maynard influence in the way that you sing sometimes. And another. <laughs> oh, sorry. What's that? You broke mm-hmm. up there. Hello. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, sorry about that, man. We lost you for a second there. Um. Well, anyway, dude. Uh. Uh, we're, I'm actually going to wrap this up because we're we're coming up on the top of the hour okay. here. Um, but uh, I did want to ask yeah. you, uh, d- besides the uh, the new songs that you that are uh, you guys are planning on putting out, um, do you have anything else coming up? Are you playing any shows anywhere or uh, anything that people should know about? Um, no shows anywhere at the moment. You know, I mean, we uh, I've got you know I run a business, I build houses now, and you know we got two kids, and same as you know the other guys, I've got kids and businesses and as you get older you know it's not so easy to get out and tour around you know uh but we'll keep making music and then we may play shows you know locally and you know maybe next summer or something and 
we're just going to keep putting out music. We're not going anywhere. We'll just keep putting it out and putting it out and hopefully people keep listening and, and liking it. Cool, man. Well, I, I will definitely uh, be looking for the, the, the new EP whenever that, uh, whenever you guys get that going and, um, and I'll be keeping an eye on you. Where can we find you? Do you guys have like a Facebook page or anything or like a website you could uh, throw out there just in case people want to? We have, you know what I mean? We have our, our Facebook page, which it's not, you know, it's not all that uh, crazy. It's just a Facebook page. I mean, people post things on there. Hey, you know what's going on? Just, and as you see, if people want to get a hold of us, they can, you know, you can send a message and we'll respond back. You know, it's, it's our, it's our Facebook page. It's not like it's some machine running it. Um, but as we put shows up, we'll, uh, you know, we definitely post and we'll advertise and say, Hey, we got something going on. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some stuff coming at NX soon, hopefully within like a month or so. And then it should be out there. You can find us on Spotify or wherever, you know, uh, iTunes is pretty much anywhere music sold. You get, you know, we get listeners in Germany who download our song every day. We get, you know, you name it everywhere worldwide. All right, man. Well, Randy Gray, Ashes of Soma, thank you so much for coming on and talking, man. Yep, no problem. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Um, hang on the line. I'll give you a, a proper goodbye after we're off the air. But um, uh, for everybody else, um, thanks so much for listening. I will be back uh, next Wednesday. My guest is uh, going to be Chris Sly, who is uh, on uh, American Idol season, I want to say, seven. And uh, going to be really interesting talking to him, not only about his time on there, but he's a uh, uh, forged a successful Christian music career uh, in the years following that. So, Chris Sly next Wednesday. Um, but my name is Alex Bergsly. This has been American Winer on podcastdetroit.com.